Welcome to another installment of Studio Sessions with the Madam. Today we're talking with a woman who understands the power of music. In addition to working with legends like Hans Zimmer and Martin Phipps, she's earned awards and acclaim for her work on a number of British television shows. And on top of crafting brilliant compositions, our guest dazzled audiences the world over as a member of an incredible string quartet. We're thrilled to be joined by the fiercely talented woman behind the score of Loki, Natalie Holt. Thanks so much for coming on. Oh, it's my pleasure. <laughs> so, Natalie, who inspired you or what inspired you to be a composer and a performer? Uh, well, I guess my mum <laughs> was a, a music teacher and a cellist as well. So that music was definitely being pushed well, not pushed, but in, in the ether from very early on. And my grandmother was a violinist as well, actually. So, I cho- yeah, I chose to learn the violin and I'm still playing her violin. Oh, that's now, lovely. Wow. Even though she's no longer with us. But yeah, so it's, yeah, kind of in the family, I would say. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice way to keep that history in the family, especially when you're using the same instrument. Yeah, no, it's really special. I, and and I I discovered a, a pile of her music, her violin music recently that was was in my mum's attic, and it had all of her fingering and and like musical markings on on lots of Bach partitas. So it was that it felt like you know reading a letter or something, seeing her her marked up scores. Oh wow, what a wow. time capsule! That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so as we mentioned in the intro. You've worked with legendary composers, including Zimmer and Phipps. What are some of the greatest lessons that you've learned through those collaborations? Oh, that's a good question. I mean, um, I guess I didn't, like Hans didn't employ me himself. I I was Martin's assistant and they co-wrote a film together. So I worked with, I kind of was working more with Martin, but I was in some meetings with Hans and that was really a lesson to me just seeing him handling like a room full of execs and and just putting everybody at ease and he has this incredible way of communicating and he, he you know he'll come up with an a concept behind like it's not just music it's it's telling its own story and he just excites people and they're like totally in the palm of his hands and yeah seeing seeing him kind of holding the room like that and also just he's not kind of going over people's heads with musical terms he's he's just always about storytelling and yeah just being a good communicator I think that's also part of part of your job as a as a composer as a film tv composer yeah I think that's key when it comes to conveying emotions a lot of it gets done through the score of any of the shows and movies that we watch Definitely. Yeah. And, um, and Martin as well, he's just, and you know, he's such a, a thoughtful and really generous person. And, and I love working with him and he's, he, he loves to collaborate and be inspired by the musicians that he works with. And he'll, he'll just be quite spare with, with his themes and textures, but then he'll put something really beautifully detailed together. But he's, yeah, I just, I, it's really fascinating seeing different composers and their processes. And I just feel like I'm always learning from 
collaborating. Like I think if I was just stuck in a room on my own, I'd get really bored of myself. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I love I love collaborating um with filmmakers and musicians and other composers. It's it's part of the fun of the job, I think. Why? So of all the compositions that you've done for films and TV, which one would be the most your favorite that you worked on? What would be the one that you're most proud of? Oh, that's it's like asking who your favorite child is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I only have one child, so that's kind of a easy one. But, you know, they're all so different. All the projects feel so different and on the whole, like incredibly positive. I feel really lucky to have to have collaborated and worked with such great people like Philippa Lowthorpe and Three Girls. That was such a powerful storytelling process because it because it was a real life story of these girls that were sexually abused in Rochdale um in a in a trafficking ring mm-hmm. um and and you know Philippa and and, and Nicole Taylor were w- working with these victims of this abuse and and you know to have that the dub the final mix we had one of the girls there and yeah just being part of that kind of cathartic experience for these people was was incredible and you know the music for that show was was very spare but very emotional but I just felt like that story it didn't need like a big grand theme like Loki um needed so yeah I feel like being appropriate for the story that you're telling is is always really key as well and um and then I just finished a, a film that's uh, coming out in the autumn with Claudia Lalosa called Fever Dream, which was a great project to work on as well, and just a great team of people. And um, yeah, I, I I don't know. I love I love everything. Obviously, Loki's just been amazing experience as well. And Kate working with Kate Heron was it, just a dream. She was a dream collaborator, really. And we just really hit it off with our kind of sensibilities and taste and. And the direction that, that she and I wanted to take the music just seemed to gel. That's wonderful. And so the first half of the soundtrack dropped today, and it's just gorgeous. We think that you are the absolute perfect person to score this show for a number of reasons, but your collaborative spirit is one of them because it seems like this particular show more than most others has been such an incredible collaborative effort so tell us about that process for creating the score where did you begin I guess that that it began with the very first meeting because I read the script and responded to what was there what, what what was happening to Loki and then I guess the things that I was communicating with the kind of ideas I had resonated with Kate Heron and and Kevin Wright who was the producer who was on the those first meetings and then mm-hmm. um I got through to the next stage where I did a pitch which I'm sure lots of they probably had loads of composers doing and it was a scene from episode 1 from the time theater where Loki's looking back at his life right um so that was yeah it was I think it was like a 9 minute sequence that that I had to score that was where I just came up with that Loki theme right there in, in the pitch I just sat down at the piano and I, I came up with that theme 
so that was there from the from the get-go actually weirdly it just kind of popped into my head I was like it needs to be this grand theatrical kind of over-the-top theme with this kind of with these flourishes and then using this the theremin was also in my pitch as well um and and Kate just obviously decided that that was the way she wanted to go so so then the process just was was quite kind of I don't know it was just yeah everything just kind of connected up and flowed really well um and just just yeah I feel I feel really like I've managed to create something that I that I feel proud of and I think Kate does too and and something that I feel really captured Loki's spirit and and kind of told his story musically so yeah it certainly has and I have to tell you both our mouths are just wide open right now the idea that that's the scene (laughs) they gave you to score it's one of if not the most emotional scene of the series thus far (laughs) yeah it was it was it was edited quite differently actually when when I like last summer started when they came up the lift that was where the scene started okay okay so yeah there there were a few it was kind of a bit lighter at the front there was a bit of that uh Loki Loki Mobius (laughs) (laughs) chat at the beginning that was quite that was more playful um right yeah So there are so many influences in the show and we can feel within the score. What were your particular inspirations? Definitely that, you know, that that Tom Hiddleston's performance and and there's something so kind of Shakespearean about his delivery and and the high notes and the low notes that that Loki goes to. I, I felt like it needed to be a grand, something grand and orchestral but I yeah I wanted the quirkiness of the TVA to to you know and that kind of everything in there like when I saw the design there's there's something quite sort of analogy and there's lots of levers and you know like you see an Akai in in Renslayer's office right so so I felt like that kind of texture of of the TVA that kind of slightly yeah like the analog tape machine and Mm -hmm. making everything kind of have that aesthetic that that kind of matched what I was seeing visually that seemed to work and then obviously the theremin that Kate and I connected on in in that very first meeting Um, and then as I as I got deeper into that sort of emotional side of Loki and his past and his mother and this meeting this female version of himself Mm mm-hmm I, I wanted to call back to the to his to the Norse mythology. There we go. There's a tongue twister, <laughs> <laughs> or it is for me. And so, yeah. Then I I just remembered these Norwegian musicians that I'd heard playing in London at a concert a, a few years earlier. And because of the pandemic, they weren't on a tour, so they were really up for for playing. And I just yeah, like you know, you come up with a line on the piano, or, or I play it on my violin, and I'm classically trained so I can't put that folky part into it right right yeah and then you hear these inflections that that Eric and Olaf put on their uh phrasing and it it just yeah felt like it was the perfect combination I, I think for for that kind of nostalgic calling back to Loki's origins yeah and that spacey feeling 
is amazing too, especially thinking back to those old sci-fi movies from like the 50s and 60s when Loki and Sylvie went to meet the timekeepers in that schlocky set between the score and the set. It had me thinking about Ed Wood. <laughs> yeah, I guess, yeah, you could. Yeah, there's something kind of quite campy about that yep. i mean there was meant to be because they turn out to be automatons exactly yes. thinking back to yeah. you know plan nine and all that kind of schlocky design and paper mache that didn't quite work it was perfect yeah and because you you kind of think oh these look a bit weird and then you realize <laughs> <laughs> i love that that the scripts just keep turning everything on their head the whole time so yeah such clever writing and clever directing from Kate as well she she really took took that and ran with it as well yeah it's been incredible so far did you want to go back to the previous Thor movies or the Avenger movies to get some sort of a feel for Loki's soundtrack or did you want to just go with a fresh slate well I think that was very much what I what I was told from the get-go was like everybody really wants to push this and be and for it to be really different from from the movies and you don't need to you don't need to think about think backwards just think forwards so yeah everyone was really supportive of whichever direction I wanted to go in which is you know it's like looking at a blank canvas sometimes (laughs) being right like yeah "Ah." but but (laughs) I think that was quite freeing in a way and and yeah it was it was amazing to have all that freedom and you know when when you kind of well, when I thought a Marvel, what would it be like to to score something for them? I, I didn't realize that it would be such a kind of freeing, um, amazing experience. Like it, it's definitely exceeded anything I could have imagined in terms of creative freedom and and support as well. Just incredible team, like the uh, music supervisors and Dave Jordan and and Ellie and the Shire and you know just. Yeah, endless support and and encouragement from everyone and Kate, obviously. Yeah, yeah, that's that's fantastic. So, what was the process like collaborating with such a large team? Well, it was very much between Kate and I, like the the kind of dialogue. But then people would, you know, um, Kevin Wright that would chip in occasionally, and then we would get notes from the execs as well. They were kind of like the timekeepers overseeing everything <laughs> <laughs> and and super sweet, like all all the execs and Christine Alonso and Louis actually personally called me to just say thank you, which was which was really generous and kind of them. And so that was yeah, so how much did you know of Loki, the character, before you started this process? Well, I'd watched pretty much all the Marvel um, movies and so I was pretty familiar with it and in fact I have to say like yes Ragnarok was one of my favorites and <laughs> I really loved that that kind of arm of the or, or branch of the universe so I was just yeah when I when my agent told me like it, it wasn't it wasn't even said what it was to begin with she was just like oh there's a, a Marvel thing that they want a playlist that's sort of slightly space age and quite big melodies and so you know I just I didn't even know what the job was for when I sent my showreel Mm -hmm. 
when I got the script, I was like, oh my God, it's Loki. <laughs> <laughs> I was like totally stoked. And yeah, just just the dream, the dream job, really. It just f- feels like such a a huge kind of scope to be really bold and different and dramatic and yeah, so many ups and downs and like, you know, that moment, just taking the theme as well and and playing around with it in so many different ways has been super fun. Yeah, it was mind blowing hearing Sophia DiMartino and Wunmi Musaku both say they had no idea what they were auditioning for. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Marvel being secretive. <laughs> <laughs> That's their way. Yeah, I I definitely trust their process. Like they deliver the goods, I think. And the way that it was all managed and steered and, you know, like delivering a suite and, and having the suite approved and then being able to just treat the, the series like a sort of six hour film. Mm-hmm. I just think it's it's meant that there's this cohesion and and scope to it that yeah just feels feels really good right since you were familiar with loki you probably didn't need to get the loki lectures from tom hiddleston did you (laughs) (laughs) oh no i i think i think not well I, i think those were only bestowed on on the on the acting side of things Okay. Sadly, I should have got myself like a, an extras part playing an instrument on the train. <laughs> that could have been a nice cameo on the train. Yes. <laughs> so COVID just changed so much about the entertainment industry, the whole world. All of this you had to deal with remotely. So how did it all come together, both technically and creatively? I'm not sure I would have got the job for were it not for COVID. I, do, I just don't know. But, but I mean, the fact that they were happy to have people working remotely probably more than than they would have been pre-pandemic was mm-hmm. was, was maybe a bonus for me. Right. <laughs> um, and and yeah, like just it's so strange to have actually never met Kate Heron in person, and yet feel like we've just totally been in the trenches together and and or not with us you know but we've just yeah yeah bonded so so much over over the over this job and and what we've created and we've yeah just without meeting it's it's really bonkers well we hope we that you all meet at the emmys because you all deserve to be there (laughs) (laughs) well that's very sweet of you (laughs) and uh, yeah i guess we're we missed the boat this year so it'll be quite a while away <laughs> but but um Kate's back in London now so we're I think I'm meeting up with her and and Emma the editor I think for the final episode we might have a a watching party for episode six. Oh, oh that awesome. sounds like fun yeah that'd be cool we've just been chatting about it so yeah hope, hopefully that happens so in addition to all the remote work what other challenges did you face in scoring the show that you haven't had that you haven't come across in your work before? <laughs> I think homeschooling uh, <laughs> my daughter. She, she was she's just yeah she was six at the time of of Loki, so still kind of needing quite a lot of attention. And yeah, I, I, she she lost her front tooth during the middle of a meeting. And came in and showed everybody her front tooth. Um, so that's probably an unusual 
meeting point. But yeah, it was definitely really challenging just keeping my brain across all the different elements, making sure that I'd recorded everything, all the solos that I needed to get and, you know, got all the things I needed for on the tape and passed it over to this person. And, and then the sessions with the orchestra and the brass section and the choir just that was quite time consuming like for each episode I was probably on I don't know two and a half days of recording just because it was quite a slow process Um, and I'd keep having like we couldn't watch pictures so I'd have to kind of stop and check back and then go in again and yeah that was that it was but it but you know they were everybody worked really hard to make it happen and I, th- I think I think we got there in the end and then my engineer Jake Jackson who's he just brought it all together and all that I think he had to buy a, a different license for Pro Tools because he was like using so many tracks oh, wow. <laughs> episodes five and six there's episodes five and six uh yeah which they were quite giant sessions but um yeah and and we again we had to just mix it remotely so audio movers and zoom were sort of key (laughs) instruments in getting it all over the line for sure well honestly you'd never know that you guys had to do this all remotely it's flawless oh that's very sweet of you (laughs) and but you know the other thing is I probably couldn't have got like those music all those musicians to be free and available I bet they would have all been on tour had had we not been in a pandemic so there's there's the positives and negatives are kind of in balance I would say right yeah it, it sometimes can be a blessing in disguise definitely as well yeah as well as the challenges so we've talked about a lot about you as a composer for Loki and your other work but you've also spent a lot of time on stage as a performer, formerly in the string quartet, Raven. Tell us a little bit about that time, how you came together. Yeah, sure. So I studied violin and and then I kind of switched over to definitely like wanting to be a film composer and then did my master's at the National Film Television School. And I still played a bit on the side to, you know, <laughs> keep the, pay the rent. Um, <laughs> but when I left film school, you know, it was, it, I was just, I, I was totally broke. <laughs> I was like living in a flat share in London, like, uh, I want to compose, I want to be a composer, but I have no one, no one will give me a job. <laughs> so yeah, I just, I started doing session work and quartet gigs and, and then set up this group with, with a couple of friends. And it was it was amazing, and and I think also the experience of playing chamber. I was actually playing viola in that quartet, but so you're kind of in the middle, like listening to people being more virtuosic at the top on on high up on the violin. But I think it really improved my musicality actually, and and rehearsing. And they're all incredible musicians, those girls. So yeah, it was really informative being in that group. And also, we used to do lots of sessions playing on films. So yeah, Abbey Road and and Air. So seeing how being in there and playing on other other composers' soundtracks was was just like a great lesson. And then I kind of reached out to Martin Phipps. I you know sent him a few things I'd written, 
and he we had met up for coffee and he just said oh I'll keep you in mind if I ever need any help with like string writing or arranging or anything and then that work kind of increased and I Martin called me up for great expectations and I think it was like 2010 and then yeah that that was that was always what I wanted to do primarily and it I, I just suddenly found a way of doing it and making that work so sort of dropped the playing although I still play all over my stuff um and I actually played with with the girls at a wedding um a couple of weeks ago so that was really nice yeah oh that's wonderful Mm -hmm. so you've toured the world with Raven three other women and you've been working in the industry as a woman for years now how did it feel working with Kate and a bunch of other great women behind the scenes of Loki. That's one of the things we love about the show is that there's such a strong sense of female empowerment, not only on screen, but behind the scenes as well. And we just most recently saw that with Sofia DiMartino showing the world her costume that Christine Wada made her so that it would be easier for her to breastfeed. Yeah, that was so cool. I love that she did that. Yeah, so I think it's amazing that there's that there's space and opportunities and and I love seeing more women in the industry being given opportunities. It's it's so great to see, and obviously, you know, those are those women that do choose to have families. There's still this issue that that we can't get around, which is the bio- biology of of having a baby and 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 breastfeeding. And and I just I'm so pleased to see to see that picture and yeah feel real solidarity with it like I can remember breastfeeding my daughter when I was assisting on Paddington and my other half (laughs) wheeling her around in a pram in Soho and I didn't I didn't want to tell anybody that I was working with that I had a baby because I thought oh I wouldn't I don't know I yeah when I went in for the interview and I was like, can you see I'm pregnant? <laughs> and I was just like, when I was pregnant and having having my daughter, I I, I didn't want to tell people about it because I didn't want it to affect my work, which seems really crazy now. I think I think people have become a lot more accommodating. Yeah, I think so. And do you think that perhaps now with COVID and more of more of us being able to work remotely, would that help in a situation like this? Yeah, definitely. Forward? I think I think so. Yeah, I th- I think remote working and I mean it's it's fine. I think it's easier in post production. I still think if you're if you're on set, I think cinematographers have have a real challenge because you know that one of my best friends is a, is a cinematographer and she mm-hmm. is constantly being asked to travel around the world and be on set for like four months to you know six months whatever it is and it's that's not very family friendly right yeah and it is something that you see male cinematographers perhaps would have their wives come and they you know just follow them with the kids or whatever and and I don't know I still I still think there's we've got a ways to go before before we're totally equal I think in child rearing yeah true yeah I think it just needs a lot of transparency and conversations to happen that that seems to be it's great going in the right direction (laughs) that's the best part at least it's going in the right direction for sure yeah I mean it goes to show you're only the second woman ever to score an MCU project out of 20 something now between movies and 
Disney Plus <laughs> series, and we're getting more and more women in. So it's refreshing, both uh, on screen and behind the scenes. Definitely. Yeah. And Hilda, just with her killer score for the Joker, so proud. Like, she's amazing. Great to see that happening. And her speech uh, last year right. was, was really, really uh, empowering, I thought. Yeah. So you've played some incredible venues all over the world. You played Buckingham Palace, the London Olympics. What was your favorite throughout the years? For for those of us who can't leave our homes quite yet still and can't travel <laughs> around, take us vicariously. Oh, oh my goodness. Um, oh, I remember we got like a quartet gig in Mexico, which was kind of crazy. Like the this, uh, it was a winemaker's in Ensenada, I think it was. Okay. And we got to play in this kind of vineyard and like the whole village came and we were playing on a stage and we kind of, yeah, just had fireworks going off and eating amazing Mexican food. And, and yeah, just the, what, it was like a certain, a celebration of this vineyard and I think it was its 25th year anniversary or something. And that just, yeah, it felt so cool to be in this vineyard with all these people and yeah just kind of these these mad experiences that you get booked to do as a as a musician yeah that sounds like straight out of a movie <laughs> and then obviously i think playing with george michael was really special as well like he's he's such a legend and yeah. he was so sweet like he he um used to come and you know he he put on a little i think we we played at um uh, the royal opera house and he he did a little party for his. I was in his um, symphonica band, so there was there was a lot of musicians. But he he was just really sweet to everybody and spoke, came round and said hi to everyone. And oh, that's fantastic! I mean, I remember growing up listening to his music. Yeah, he's he's me too. He's I was I was a bit kind of starstruck. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you mentioned the great food there in Mexico. We've read that you're quite the exotic eater. <laughs> so what's the what's the craziest or weirdest thing you've ever eaten oh my goodness i don't know where you where you plucked that from um but i, I, I oh definitely like we we did a tour in japan after the tsunami like this japanese musician that we'd all been recording with it paid for a chamber orchestra to go over and we played in lots of the the areas where where people were living in temporary accommodation after the you know it was like six months after the tsunami had hit mm -hmm. and we traveled we traveled around that whole region and I don't know I think we did about six or seven concerts in, and and we had the chance to eat a lot of unusual food on that tour and everybody always passed it up and sent it down to me <laughs> I think I had some like I don't know sea urchin natto which which is like sort of uh rotten fermented soybeans right yes I've heard of that yeah so I, I just always have to I have to try everything I'm just that kind of person <laughs> any biggest regrets I did well you know well there's that thing for oysters and isn't there that you're not meant to have them isn't it months with r in them i can't remember anyway i have had bad oysters but it hasn't put me off i still oh. i would still i still eat them <laughs> okay 
So are there any philanthropic causes that you'd like to shine a light on? Um, I guess, like we've touched on women's entry, you know, Me Too and, and, and how, how amazing it is that women are being given opportunities that they weren't given before. And I'm just, yeah, I think it's so important, not just for, for our generation, but, but for looking at, at people coming up and it makes me really sad because I was given scholarships to Saturday music school where I was given composition lessons from the age of 11 and, and theory and harmony and music. And this was like run by the local council. And since then, the last 10 years, that that school has been closed down. Funding has oh. been stopped. And, you know, music in schools is is dwindling you know, I think I I just worry that the arts is becoming really unaffordable and in, in, inaccessible for young people. And it's so prohibitively expensive to go to university and study and do a master's and then trying to enter into the film industry now. You know, mm-hmm. you, like I certainly had <laughs> quite a long stretch of hardly earning any, anything, but I was okay because I didn't have all that debt coming out of university. But yeah, I, I just think if if I was coming up, if I was a young person now, I, I worry that the access into the industry is is for the elite, for well, the wealthy. And I think we've we've got to open it up to women, and we've also got to open it up for for people who who don't have that financial support from family. And yeah, I think I think I hope that we can keep our industry available and open to everybody. Right. So you mentioned Fever Dream earlier. Now that's coming out on Netflix, correct? Uh, yes. Yep. Okay. So are there any other upcoming TV or uh, film projects that you can tell our listeners about? Yeah. The the film the film Fever Dream, I'm really excited for that to, to be out in the world. It's like a Claudia Lalosa, the director is so talented and and it's also it's a film about a sort of strange illness and mother daughter relationship and a slightly mystical kind of journey. And um, it just feels very timely after the year that we've, or year and a half that we've all had. Yeah. Mm, um, yeah. Yeah. I'm looking forward to seeing it now after what's happened. Can you tell us when will the second half of the Loki soundtrack release? Yeah. The second half's coming on the 23rd of July. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, and episodes five and six get really, yeah, <laughs> prepare, prepare yourself. <laughs> I don't know if I could handle more. I had a heart attack watching episode four because I did not know ahead of time that there was a mid credit scene. So I was in the middle of a stroke when I looked at my phone and saw Amy's message of, there's a mid credit scene. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that scene with, with Mobius being pruned oh. as well. It's just... Oh, killer it was so i just yeah i love that scene it's interesting that you do watch your own work because we've talked with others in the industry who just who can't they can't be anywhere near it after it's done well i i'm just i i'm so into this project i don't i don't know like they were saying that not many composers go to the dub either but i just i can't let it go i just have to <laughs> I'd, I'd watch it and 
check that the levels uh you know and I'd be messaging Kate like can we turn this scene up please I felt like it was a bit quiet and I just (laughs) I'm like I find it really hard to let go so I think I'm sort of intrigued to watch it and see how it sounds on my how the final CGI special effects have come out and stuff like that and yeah yeah and as a creative you're always wanting to make it that much little better you just have that trouble of it's okay it's good enough I'm gonna stop yeah I definitely had that with this I just felt like I could keep going (laughs) down a rabbit hole Jake was like you know the the engineer is like prizing it out of my hands at some stage it's like your baby (laughs) yeah definitely (laughs) so tell our listeners where they can find you online so I'm on Twitter. I think I'm called Film Music Holt. Yes, you are. <laughs> I am. <laughs> and then I, the albums are out across multiple platforms, I think. Yes. Yes, we've seen yes. it on Spotify and Apple Music at least so far. Yeah. So, Natalie, thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. We are so excited for episodes five and six. We've loved everything thus far oh it was it was just like really fun to chat to you and I'm looking forward to everybody getting part two of the album as well and hope hope everybody feels as enthusiastic (laughs) yeah I personally can't wait because I I would love to have you on for a couple of hours and just ask you so many questions Well, happy to come back if, if, you, if you have if you forgot to go go over anything today. <laughs> and best of luck with uh, Fever Dream and all the secret projects that you have coming up. Oh, thank you. And that wraps up our chat with Loki composer, the brilliant Natalie Holt. Her score for the first half of the series is now available on iTunes, Spotify, and everywhere else you get your music. The score for episodes four through six will be released on Friday, July 23rd. Thanks to all you madams for checking out this latest installment of Studio Sessions. You can find links to Natalie on social media in our show notes, and you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Tumblr at Marvel Madams. And for more content, visit our website, themarvelousmadams.com, where infinity stones are a girl's best friend. <laughs> <laughs>